Praise the Lord. <laughs> God bless all of you. So good to see each and every one of you tonight. Amen. I am so a mess. There we go. I am so, uh, I feel privileged and honored uh, every time I come into a service with all of you. It is, it, 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 I look forward to this. It excites me. Gathering together with my brothers and with my sisters in the presence of God. Amen. It is, it is so good. It is so good to be with you tonight. Amen. Let's all stand. I look forward to receiving from the Lord tonight. He always has something good for me. I'm so thankful for Him. Amen. Let's call out on His name. Let's seek His face. Let's receive of Him anything, everything that He wants to give tonight. Lord Jesus, we worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've given us tonight to enter into the presence of God. Thank You, Jesus, that You have afforded us an opportunity one toward another to gather together in Your presence to gather together with our brothers and with our sisters, to bind together as one body, entering into the presence of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome hope we have in You. What an awesome promise that we have in You. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, for providing all of our needs. Thank You, Jesus, for saving our, saving our souls. Thank You, Lord, for healing our bodies, our minds, our spirits. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for all that You've done, all that You are doing, all that You've yet to do in our lives, in our midst here today. I pray in Jesus' name that Your name would be lifted up and magnified here, that You would be worshipped and glorified in this place, because it is You, Lord Jesus, and You only. You're the reason that we're here. You're the reason that we breathe today. You're the reason that we were created. Hallelujah, Jesus. And what an awesome creation we are in You that You have made us into Your image, that You have made us new creatures in You. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give You all the glory. We give You all the honor. We worship You and we praise You because only You are worthy. You are worthy and You only to receive all worship and all praise, to receive all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship You. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You have in store for Your people tonight. I pray that You would undergird them with strength, that You would encourage them in the Lord their God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, that a spirit of revelation would go forth from this place tonight. Help us, Lord, to see. Help us, Lord, to receive truth tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give You all the glory. We give You all the honor. We worship and we praise You. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He is so good to us. So good to us. Amen. Amen. Me either. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You could be seated. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to be talking about 
kingdom identity. Kingdom identity. And this is the discerning ear will recognize somewhat of a conglomeration of several messages we've already preached here. Uh, it was in my mind, it was in my heart to talk about sound doctrine tonight. Uh, but, well, the Lord would not. And so, I, of course, wanted to know what He would. And uh, as He often does, not all the time, but very often, I will get my Wednesday message in Tuesday evening prayer. Amen. And He did that again last night. Praise God. I am... I am so humbled and so grateful that the Lord speaks to His people. And not, certainly not always in an audible voice, but also certainly in in ways that you absolutely know. There's no doubt in your mind that this is from God. This is from the Lord. Uh, I'm not speaking about the message necessarily, but just in general. When we go to the Lord in prayer, it is so wonderful, so so awe-inspiring to me that that this high and lofty one would deign to to dwell with me, to speak with me, to, to commune with me. It's such an awesome concept. I I love it. I, I, I love it. Anyway, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Uh, we'll start there. After we read that passage of Scripture, we're going to drop... Well, not drop, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, states this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, I suppose in today's vernacular, we could read that. Employees, be obedient to your employers with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet sod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Amen. Again, speaking about kingdom identity. Kingdom identity. This is not a new topic for us. Who are we? Who were we created to be? Who do we identify as? That's a thing in the world. They identify as all kinds of things. Who do we identify as? Who were we created to be? What is the will of God concerning this? I know who I used to be, and so do you. In fact, I suppose, in your case as well as mine, the enemy loves nothing more than to remind us of exactly that. Who you used to be. What you used to do. Where you used to go. But that man, that woman is dead. It's buried in the blood of Jesus Christ. Those people don't exist anymore. But who does? Who does exist now? I fear that... When the, I use this term loosely, the the average Christian, the person coming in, they see the need for salvation, they repent, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they get baptized in Jesus' name, and they start walking with God. I feel in a lot of cases that that birth is kind of synonymous with Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Yeah, they're alive now, but they're still bound. They're still wrapped up in in a lot of junk that they need to be freed from. And not not just baggage that we bring with us. Baggage the church gives them. What do I mean by that? As we go on, I'll try to answer that question. I fear, half fear, half half hope, with expectancy, that, and, and please let me finish my thought before you hang me on a tree here. 
that I'm not 100% sure we have the full revelation yet. And here's what I mean by that. Everything that we do have, I think, is true. We're not changing anything. Okay, The doctrines we have, they're, they're absolutely true, biblical. I'm going to keep preaching and teaching them. But I think there's still something more that needs to be added. When I, when I view the first century church and the 21st century church, I see a discrepancy. I see a disparity between the two. I don't see, I don't see a full restoration. Maybe in parts. Maybe in areas. I think God is trying to reach His church. I think God is speaking to His church through prophets and, and through great men of God. I've heard some of them. You guys have heard some of them. The messages are crazy and they're like, that can't be right, can it? You start looking at it and it's like, I can't disprove it. I can't prove it wrong. It looks to be right. I gave you that one example of the, I still can't remember his name, Brother Martinez. Talking about releasing his authority and bringing it back in. and Gonzalez, thank you. Brother Gonzalez. Like that sounds weird. That I But things like that happen in scripture. When we talk, when I talk to people, I talk to friends of mine, people that I grew up with in church. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. I think that Christians should be more excited, more hopeful, more passionate about the things of God. And not just the things of God, but, but what God is doing, what God wants to do. Looking with expectancy, looking with faith and with hope toward the future. Yeah, the, these things were awesome, but man, he's getting ready to really bust this thing open. He's really getting ready to do something awesome. How do you know that? Because that's the kind of God I serve. That's all I need to know. I mean, I got all kinds of Bible for it, which is nice too. But if I didn't have any Bible, I would still think that way because I know whom it is that I serve. I know the kind of God that I serve. I know what He's done for me in the past. I read the Scriptures and I see what He did in the first century church. What He did through people like you. Through people like me. And it seems like, and forgive me, please forgive me, but it seems like when I talk to people about stuff like this, I get at least mentally shut down. And to an extent, I think I understand why. And we've talked about this as well. We've talked about 
Well, you know, there's all kinds of healings and all kinds of miracles and all kinds of stuff overseas. Why don't I see it here? Why the discrepancy? I've heard all kinds of answers. I have my own ideas. I think one... I think one situation is they have no other recourse. It's either I trust God or I die. I trust God or I starve to death. I trust God or I'm dying in prison. We don't have that problem. If I don't trust God to provide for me, I'll just go get a second job. I'll get a third job. I'll borrow some money. I'll get a credit card. We'll make it work. I don't need God to heal me. I can take medication. I can go to the doctor. And again, please, folks, I'm not preaching against going to the doctor. Please, if you need to see the doctor, go. What I'm saying, though, is because we have that recourse, we don't need to trust in Jesus Christ. And because we don't need to trust in Him, we don't. We don't trust in Him. If we did trust in Him, what I read in this book, if I did trust in Him, if I did have faith in Him, He would answer me. That's what I read. And I know that doesn't agree with our circumstances, our, our, our experiences. But folks, where do we derive doctrine from? My experiences? Where do I get truth from? My experiences? I get my truth, I get my doctrine from the Word of God. And if the Word of God contradicts my experiences, my experiences are wrong. Something is disconnected here. And it's not the Scriptures. And it's not God. I don't see anyone else left to blame. I don't see anyone else left to look at. I've got to look here, folks. There's something disconnected here. But here's the hope. Here's the hope that I have. If I can get this connected, if I can get this working right, if I can get in sync with what God is wanting to do in my life, what would happen then? What would happen then? I read all kinds of stuff in Scripture about what would happen then. The first century church. I've, I've told you this, uh, this historian, Edward Gibbons. Not a friend of Christianity. I don't even think he's alive anymore. Huge volume. Decline and fall of the Roman Empire. If you want an excellent read. I mean, this thing is like three volumes and it's, it's big. I haven't read it. I've read parts of it. But there's a part in there where he talks about the first century church. And he documents that it was commonplace in the first century Christian church to experience signs and wonders and miracles. They expected it to happen. It was just something that happened when we pray. They knew it was going to happen. All we got to do is do our part, and then God, he always, like He always does, He comes in and does His part. It just always it just always works. That's what ha always happens. They expected that. We don't expect that, folks. 
We're blown out of our, our, out of our gourd when something happens. We're shocked to, to the core of our being when God does something. And that shouldn't be, folks. It shouldn't be. So who are we? Who did God create us to be? I've alluded to this in a couple other messages. Try to build on it a little bit more. Being a dangerous Christian. Being a dangerous Christian. Now when you when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, typically you're not gonna see uh you're not gonna think of someone that's deadly and dangerous and and anything like that. Typically when we think of Jesus, meek and mild. I'm lowly of heart. You know, like that. And he was when he related to humanity. But when he related to the enemy, folks, he was absolutely deadly. He was dangerous. And the enemy knew he was dangerous. Because every time they got into his presence, they trembled and they begged. That's what they did in the presence of Jesus. Why? Because they knew something about Jesus that he was dangerous. That he would follow through with what he said was going to happen. Are we Christians? Are we Christ-like? When we're born again, folks, it's synonymous. We have the spiritual DNA of Jesus Christ. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making us to be gods. I'm not denigrating who Jesus is by saying that. He wants us to be like Him. He's called us by His name. And I could go farther than that, but I'm not fully prepared to yet. I'm going to. We have received His spiritual DNA. That's why we are supposed to look like Him. That's why we are supposed to think like Him. There's supposed to be a resemblance, folks. There's supposed to be a a spiritual resemblance. And one of the things Jesus did was He didn't take anything from the enemy. Nothing. He ran roughshod over everything the enemy stood for, did, said, wanted to do. He trampled all over it. What do we do? What do we do when faced with the enemy? I'll tell you what I was told when I first got in church. You've got to be careful. You start praying against demons and devils, you've got to be really careful when you do that. Because you're stirring up a hornet's nest. They're going to get you. So you need to be absolutely sure what you're doing. And I was like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I better not do that. Again, baggage that the church gave me. Innocently, well-meaning, they probably got it from someone else. I'm not blaming anybody, but what I'm saying is that's got to stop. 
we got to get into the book. What does the book say about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing? The book says, I'm taking authority over these things. That I've been given power, I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Through the name of Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be dangerous. The enemy is supposed to recognize me as someone who is dangerous. Now again, we don't war against flesh and blood. When we're relating to humanity, we are meek and lowly. We're ministering one to another. We love humanity, even though they might hate us. We're not at war with flesh and blood, folks. But those that we are at war with, it's war. Those that we are at war with, it's no holds barred. It's no quarter asked or given. I promise you, folks, if, they, if the enemy gets an inch on you, they'll take everything they can get. So this dangerous God that we serve, I want to read you some scriptures about how God feels about the enemy. How we ought to feel about the enemy. The enemy is not someone to be ignored. We are required to engage the enemy. You're not going to get to bury your head in the sand and hope, hope they disappear and go away. They're not going away, folks. Look, look out there. Leviticus 26, 7 through 13 says this. This is God speaking to his people. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword, for I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. You shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God. You shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? We were the bondmen, the bondwomen of the enemy. But he set us free. And he's promised us that just a few of us will wrote many of them. That's the power we have through Jesus Christ, folks. Deuteronomy 28.7 says, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Again, 1 Corinthians 10. These things were written for our admonition. These are types and shadows. In the Old Testament, they fought against flesh and blood. But the meaning for us today is spiritual. This is how we treat the enemy. Exodus 23, 22-24 says, But if thou shalt indeed obey my voice, and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angels shall go before thee, and bring thee in unto the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, 
and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works. But thou shalt utterly overthrow them, and quite break down their images. That sounds like violence. That sounds like destruction. That sounds mean. I'm a Christian. I'm not mean. I'm not violent. I'm a pacifist. I'm like Jesus was. Yeah, be like Jesus was. That's exactly what I'm saying. Be exactly like Jesus was. Be violent spiritually. 1 Samuel 15. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. Verses 2 and 3. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Speak, this is God speaking to Saul. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Destroy them all. Wipe them off the face of the earth. Show no mercy. Why? Because they're the enemy of God. The enemy of God is your enemy. And we are to treat our enemy the exact same way. Not flesh and blood, but our spiritual enemy. Luke 10.19 says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Over all the power of the enemy. Here's a thought that came into my mind recently. Who's the prince of the power of the air? Who's the ruler of this world? Who gets to tell Satan what to do? We have power and authority over him through the name of Jesus Christ. So when I look at it like that, is he really the ruler of the world? And this kind of ties into where I think the Lord is is leading me personally. I really feel like this world is the way it is today because the church hasn't taken a stand. It has to it has to be placed at my feet as a Christian, as a child of God. Now I know I know prophecy and end times and and well these things have to happen eventually. But I wonder why they have to happen. I wonder why it is they're going to happen. The power and the authority that we've been given, folks, we haven't scratched the surface. I don't know if 
for me anyway, I don't, I don't know if I've had the first clue as to what I'm really supposed to be doing with all of that. Micah 5.9 says, Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Today's Christians are taught that fighting isn't necessary at best, or at worst, that fighting is a bad thing. You're putting a target on your chest. This quote isn't mine. I couldn't find the source of it, but I had it written down from somewhere. In any case, uh, the quote is this. Only a dangerous man can choose peace. The weak and fearful are relegated to it. I like that. I like that a lot. So what does it mean to be Christ-like? Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 32. I want to spend just a little bit of time here. This is the demoniac. Jesus heals them, delivers them. Starting with verse 26, it says this They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. When he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, I beg thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. I want to contrast that with a passage of Scripture in Acts 19. Acts chapter 19, verses 14 through 16. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now here we see someone who is most certainly not dangerous and the enemy knew it. I abjure thee by God whom Paul preacheth. What? Boy, that sounds very powerful and confident, doesn't it? Whatever, whatever Paul said, that's what I'm saying to you. 
Now they recognized the danger Paul presented. They recognized him as dangerous. They certainly knew Jesus was dangerous. They had no idea who these guys were. They didn't register on the radar. No threat. Green light. I can do whatever I want. And they did. They knew the sons of Sceva weren't a threat, so the enemy did what they wanted to do to him. Period. Does the enemy recognize me as a threat? Does the enemy recognize you as a threat? As someone who is dangerous? That's something you're going to have to answer yourself. In the Gospels, when demons were confronted by Jesus, they trembled and were afraid in His presence. They besought Him. They begged Him. They pleaded with Him. Let me do this. Let us do that. And Jesus said, yes or no. And that was it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What kind of creature did we become? I celebrate every chance I get, every time it comes to my mind, that I'm a new creature in Christ. And I celebrate that. I thank God for that. But what kind of creature did I become? It occurs to me that I really haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about that. I knew who I used to be. I know who I used to be. I don't need to think about that. But what, what kind of creature did Jesus make in me? I now possess His DNA. Not just in character either, but also in capability. I've often said that we need to know who we are in Jesus Christ, and that's true. And we also need to know what we are capable of. We need to know what we're capable of, folks. Because we get this mental picture sometimes that God is just dragging me around by the, by the scruff. Go here, go there. And... Uh, I understand what people are saying. I mean, He's the Lord. He tells me what to do. Absolutely, He does. But that's not the entire picture I get in Scripture. Luke 10.19 says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. We've read this before. Over all the power of the enemy. To do What? To tread on serpents and scorpions. To stomp over all the power of the enemy. When the enemy comes against the kingdom of God, we shut him down. Period. There's no threat here. There's no threat, folks. Did they threaten Jesus at all? Well, they crucified Him. Yeah, but that was, that was the whole plan, right? 
That was the perfect will of God. That's what advanced the kingdom forward. There's no spiritual threat here. At least there ought not be. You start listening to the enemy. You start doing what the enemy says, thinking what the enemy tells you to think. Yeah, now he's a threat. Now he's going to become deadly to you. But if you stay, if you stay close to Jesus, you stay submitted to him and obedient to him, there's no threat here. We have victory over the enemy through Jesus Christ. John 14:12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus did some pretty amazing things. Some pretty miraculous things. And He's saying, go out and do more. struggling with doing the same. He's telling me to do more. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. None of these things, folks, are any good against the physical enemy. But they are most effective against our spiritual one. This is exactly the power of the enemy that we're called to stomp over. He gives someone sickness. We heal it in Jesus' name. Jesus heals it through us. You know what I'm saying. We don't heal. Jesus heals. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. We have authority over that too. Because Jesus has authority over that. And again, folks, that's, that's what I'm trying, to communic- I'm trying to communicate to me as well. I'm trying to get me to understand this. The kind of authority Jesus Christ has given His church. The authority that He's given you as a child of God. Sometimes I feel like like I'm a small child, scared of the dark. And I'm supposed to be more than a conqueror through Him that loved us. Mark 16, 17 through 20. You knew this was coming. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall they cast out devils. Why? Because we have authority over devils. We have power over all the power of the enemy. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because we have power over all the power of the enemy. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. That's the plan, folks. 
That's the plan God has given to us. That's the first century church plan. Go out and preach the gospel, and God preaches with you. God confirms your word with signs following. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? If you don't believe my words, believe me for the very work's sake. Right? Jesus was asking them to believe me because of the signs and the wonders, the miracles. That ought to let you know that God is working here in our midst. And isn't that the very purpose of it? To demonstrate to people, to unbelievers, this has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with God. I can't raise the dead. I can't heal anybody. I can't even take care of a cold. They are man colds. So there is that. I mean, that's a... That's... (laughs) Man, you know what I'm talking about. It only hits men. I can't do anything with that. God can. God does. In the first century church, He did it all the time. When He was ministering here on earth, He did it all the time. Several times in in passages of Scripture, He says He healed all of them. He healed every one of them. I can't... Every time I think I've got this stupid thing resolved, it gets stuck in my craw again. I think we should be seeing a whole lot more healings. Could I be wrong? Sure, I could be wrong. But I look at the first century church, folks. I'm not seeing that. I'm not experiencing that in my own life, my own ministry. And I want to. I want you guys to experience that. I want every Christian to experience what they experienced in the first century church. And we're not. We're just not. And there's got to be There's a disconnect there somewhere. Our doctrines come from Scripture, not from our experience. But a lot of times we preach and teach like it comes from our experiences. We pray like it comes from our own experiences. I know Scripture sometimes contradicts what we think is true. It sometimes contradicts what I experience in my own life. But that's fine. I look at the world today. I look at, I look at the lives of, of Christians. Christian lives. People who have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. Delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Struggle with with fear and with doubt, and and the enemy comes against them, and they don't know what to do. I'm reminded again of Neville 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 Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of uh, Great Britain, right before World War II. Peace in our time. He did everything and anything he could to preserve the peace. 
Let Hitler do what he wanted. You just give me Poland. That, that, that'll be enough. Okay, you can have Poland. He didn't stop at Poland. He just kept going, just kept going, just kept going. And Chamberlain, he was willing to just, okay, if you'll stop here, that's fine. You can have that. That's what the enemy does to us, folks. That's what the enemy does. He'll promise you, you just give me this little bit. Just give me this, just this little block of time. Just this one little secret sin. That's all we need. That's all I need. And, and that'll be it. And you do that. And then it's a little bit more. And it's a little bit more. And you keep giving ground. And the enemy keeps taking. Folks, at some, time, at some point in time, we've got to stand up and say, this far and no further. We've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. We've got to start fighting back. We've got we to get a Winston Churchill here. We'll never surrender. Part of his speech, the, uh, when he said, though England should last a thousand years, let men say that this was her finest hour. I'd like to see that of the church. The church has a 2,000 year history and, and still going strong. But I love those, those witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12. I'd love them to shout and proclaim this church, this time, this is her finest hour. Jesus was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a conqueror. He ran roughside over everything the enemy had set up in Israel. Anytime the enemy popped its ugly head up, he squashed it. He stepped on it. And I'm using words like this on purpose, folks. We're not supposed to be delicate with the enemy. The enemy's not going to be delicate with you. The enemy doesn't love you, folks. The enemy doesn't even like you. The enemy hates you, despises you. So when he comes as an angel of light and tells you, oh, hey, buddy, hey, pal, let's just do this little thing here, just you and me. You'll really like it. Big. Yeah, because he's so interested in your well-being. He's so interested in your happiness. He wants to kill you. He wants you dead. That's all he wants, folks. Anytime he comes to you with anything, I don't care how good it sounds, he's doing it to destroy you. Adopt the same attitude. We're here to destroy Him. We're here to destroy His works. In conclusion, Esther 4 and 14 says this, 
For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? We are here in this place and in this time on purpose. God has placed us here very specifically. He could have placed us in any part of the world, in any time period He wanted to. He chose here, and He chose now to place you in. He did that for a reason. Folks, we've got to arise to our station. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if you feel unworthy. I don't know if you feel like, no, that can't be. No, this isn't. Well, I'm going to ask you to choke it down fast and rise up. This is the station God has called you to. Chew on it, swallow it, do what you need to do. But get it down, folks, and step up. This is what God wants of His church. I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me too. I need to step up. I need to arise to my station. I'm a child of the Most High God. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I've been filled with His Spirit. The Spirit of God resides in us. Praise God. And we need to act on that. We need to move forward as if that is true. Praise God. Praise God. Because if we don't, folks, if we don't move forward with this, then enlargement and deliverance will arise from another place. And what, what's going to be the results of us playing it safe? What's going to be the results of us? Ah, oh, that's for somebody else, not for me. No, this is specifically for you, friend. This is specifically for you. The easy path was never ours to take. It was never Jesus' path to take. We know of a surety that we are indeed come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation. Lord Jesus, help us to know of a surety, Lord, where You're leading us, where You're taking us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We want to know, Lord Jesus. We want to know wherever You're taking us, Lord. We want to step into that office. We want to step into that realm. We, Lord Jesus, we want the, we want all the we want the first century church here in 21st century. Hallelujah, Jesus. Everything that You've given to Your church, everything. We want all of it. I want every bit of it. I want to be used, Lord Jesus. I want to be used of You mightily. I want to fall into the perfect will and plan of God. I don't want to do these things my way. I want to do them your way. It's got to be your way. You're the Lord. This is your church and we are your people. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're filled with your spirit. We're filled with your spirit. We're baptized in your name. This is all about you, Lord God. Lead us and guide us. I pray to all truth. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Lord, if it's given to us now, Lord, we step into this realm. We step into this place by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. We step forward into this office that You're calling us to. We're stepping up, Lord Jesus. Help us, Thou Most High God, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus. This is the line in the sand. This far and no further. We start advancing from this point forward. We start retaking ground in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have given us power. You've given us authority. So much so, Lord Jesus. Help us to understand, I pray, the authority that You've given us as children of God. The authority You've given Your church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to understand. Give us understanding, I pray. And release faith now to move forward with that understanding. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We want this, Lord. We want this in Jesus' name. We want all of Your truth. We want to be used by You mightily in accordance with Your perfect will and plan. The design that You laid out for us. The design that was given to Your first century church. Help us to follow that. Help us to follow it to the letter. In Jesus' name, wherever it takes us, wherever it leads us, help us to follow You to the ends of the earth. Help us to follow You to victory. Help us to follow You all the way to heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You, Thou Most High God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God.